So let me ask you a question. How many of y'all had a peaceful Christmas? You want to come to my house? <laughs> y'all remember that portion of the Grinch that stole Christmas? Where um, the Grinch is talking about when the kids wake up in the morning and they're banging their bamboozles, flamfloozles, and flu-doozles or whatever? That's exactly how I feel right now. Everything that the boys got makes noise. There is nothing that doesn't make noise. Let me rephrase that. The things that don't make noise, there's a lot of effort that I've got to go to to putting on together with the obstacle courses, the zip lines, and everything else. It'll make a noise if they hit the ground, but still, it is crazy how many things make noise. I was sitting there thinking about it yesterday. When I was a kid, we had, G.I. Joe's was our big thing. G.I. Joe's was our big thing. We'd have to pull the missile off the, off the um, thing, throw it, and go, <laughs> to even make the noise. Mom loved that. I know she did. But it's crazy how things make so much noise. And it reminded me of what we're celebrating today, what we're thinking about today, as we go through Advent. And we talk about the four gifts that have been given to us. First week was the gift of hope. Hope is what helps us know that there is going to be a better day. Then there's the gift of love. Love is what God has so graciously shown us and what we are to show to others. Then there's joy. Joy is different from happiness because regardless of our circumstances, we can have joy knowing that Jesus Christ has come and has paid the debt for our sins. And today we're going to look at the gift of peace. You ever wonder why it is we don't have peace? Luke chapter 2, we read some of it last week. The angels declared, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth and goodwill towards men. Why don't we have peace? Why is it that we do not have peace even though Jesus has come? Even though many of us have made that profession of faith of Christ, a faith in Christ as Lord, Master, and Savior, we still have this absence in our heart, this absence of our life of true peace. Anybody else ever wonder that? Here's what's crazy. We're not the first group of people to get this completely wrong of what it is talking about when he talks about bringing us peace. When we think of peace, we think of freedom of conflict, freedom of war, freedom of arguments, freedom of all these things. But this is not the peace that Christ has promised us. Christ even said that he did not come to bring peace in the way that we see it, but the sword. And because of him, many conflicts would arise. Many conflicts would come about between brothers and sisters, mothers and childs, fathers and childs, even husbands and wives. Conflict would become because of his sake. So what is it? What is it this peace that Jesus talks about? What is it that he's really meaning? Israel had an idea of what it meant. Israel thought that peace coming from God would be the setting up of his kingdom here on this earth. They thought that a Messiah would come, and some of them still think this, that the Messiah will come, 
will crush the governing authorities of this earth, will set up his kingdom, and everybody will live happily ever after. But that's not what happened. And if you look at the scriptures, especially back to some of the prophets, we'll see that this is actually not what was ever promised. So in Isaiah chapter 11, we're going to read verses 1 through 10. And I want you to pay very close attention to some of the words here. Starting in verse 11, it says, Then a shoot, or start in verse 1, sorry. Then a shoot will spring forth from the stem of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The spirit of, Lord, of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. And he will not judge by what he, his eyes see, nor make a decision by what his ears hear. But with righteousness, he will judge the poor and decide with fairness for the afflicted of the earth. And he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Also righteousness will be the belt, will be the belt about his loins and faithfulness the belt about his waist. And the wolf will dwell with the lamb and the leopard will lie down with the young goat. And the calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And a little boy will lead them. Also the cow and the bear will graze. Their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like an ox. A nursing baby will play by the hole of a cobra. And a weaned child will put his hand on a viper's den. They will not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Then in that day, let me repeat that. Then in that day, the nations will resort to the root of Jesse who will stand as a signal for the people and his rest in this place will be glorious. Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for the opportunity to get up here and proclaim your word. I want to thank you for my brothers who are doing the same right now as I speak. I pray for specifically, Lord, for Cliff as he gets ready to stand in the pulpit in Kentucky. I pray also, Lord, for David Welshie, Lord, as he gets ready to get back to work as as he's recovering from this horrible condition with his throat. I thank you, Lord, for these brothers who stand firm on God's word. And I am so, so thankful to be able to call them co-laborers. This morning, Lord, I also ask that as we dig into this scripture, that you would give us eyes to see what it is that your word has for us. I pray that you would give us ears to hear Hear your words and not just the words of our opinions or the words of this world. But I also pray, Lord, that you would give us a heart to understand. And not only to understand, 
but to apply these truths to our lives. Lord, this morning we desire for your Holy Spirit to do a work in us that can only be done by it, by you, for you. It's in your precious name, Lord. I do humbly pray. Amen. So why is it that we don't have peace? What's crazy is this scripture that I read, the word peace is not ever even mentioned. The word peace in this scripture is not mentioned once. But what it is getting to is to the concept of what true peace is. So what is it and how is it that Christ is going to bring peace? The first way that Christ is going to bring peace and has brought peace is the simple fact that he came and that he is coming again. I want you to think back. Think back when you was little. Think back when you was young. How many of y'all were scared of the dark? Be honest. Still am a little, not gonna lie. Not gonna lie at all. Still am a little bit scared of the dark. Why? Because you can't see. You can't see what's right in front of your face. You can't see what may be lurking around. You can't see if a boy is about to ambush you or not. Talking about one of my little boys. You can't see these things and there's some fear. There's some uncertainty. There's some, there's some scariness in this. But when I was little, there was one thing and one thing alone that could calm my fear of the dark. You want to know what it was? Mama. Mama. Not daddy. It was mama. Mama could cure that fear of the dark. And I know that seems silly. That seems, that seems ridiculous. But I want you to think about this. There is nothing like the presence of a parental or authoritative figure in your presence when you're fearful. There's nothing like it. It brings about confidence. Confidence in knowing that everything is going to be okay. It brings about security. Security that you are going to be protected. It brings about trust. Trust in that individual to know that they will do what needs to be done to make sure that you're safe. Their presence eases. Eases the concern. It eases the worry. It eases all that is in us regardless of the situation that is going on. Just being with mom. Just being with mom at night. I didn't worry about the noises that I heard. Just being with mom at night. I didn't worry about the shadows that I saw. Just being with my mom at night. I knew that everything was going to be okay. Do you remember that? Maybe it was your dad. Maybe it was your dad who gave you that sense of security. Maybe it was an aunt or an uncle or even a grandma or grandpa that gave you that sense of security of knowing everything was going to be okay. And because of that sense of security, your soul, your mind, your body was at peace. Did you understand what was going on in the dark? Absolutely not. Did you understand what that noise was that you heard? No. You didn't worry about it. Why? 
because they were with you. When Israel was reading the scriptures and reading how they thought the Messiah would come about, they were expecting something totally different. They were expecting, like I said, a king, someone to come to rule, to reign, to take over. But what they weren't expecting was someone just to be there. We never really understand the power, the gift, the ministry of presence until no one's around. You ever notice that? Yesterday, I couldn't help but think about so many. So many who this would be their first Christmas without a loved one. So many who this would be their first holiday season without someone who made this time of year even more joyful. And I thought about the sadness. I thought about the lostness. I thought about the fear and the uncertainty. And I'm going to be honest with you. Even though I have not lost someone recently closely, dearly to me, I've been there. I've been in that period of time to where I felt absolutely alone. You know what I'm talking about? There's nothing worse than loneliness. And it never fails. It's during these times of loneliness, what thoughts start coming to our mind? The thoughts of uncertainty. The thoughts of fear. And the thoughts of worry. But this is what's truly amazing about Jesus coming to us. Not only did he come to us, he dwells in us. And if you think about it, you're never alone. You're never alone. I find it funny how sometimes we think we're hiding stuff from God. You know what I mean? Heard somebody say the other day, you shouldn't cuss in church. Does it matter where you cuss? I mean, honestly. Can he only hear us here? No. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you say. He hears it. It doesn't matter if you don't even say it. That's what's even worse. Some people say, if you think it, you might as well say it. I don't agree with that. But he knows regardless. He knows what you think and he knows what you're going to say. And how does he know this? He knows this because he is here. Heard that, didn't y'all? My belly is also hearing it push this pulpit a little bit too much. Sorry about that. God is with us. And because God is with us, we have a peace. And you know what? We have a peace that no matter what may come our way, we know there's someone there who's like it said, has that spirit of wisdom and understanding. Someone who has that spirit of counsel and truth and someone who has that spirit of knowledge and respect. When we don't feel God's presence, 
We don't feel at peace. But true peace comes with this. That even when you don't feel him, even when you're in the darkest situation, even when you are all by yourself, true peace tells you he is here. He is with you. And he will not leave you or forsake you. True peace brings about trust. Brothers and sisters, our, tra- our peace is not based on our situations. Our peace comes in spite of our situations. Not only would he bring us peace just by the simple fact of him being with us, he would also bring us peace because he is restoring his creation. It doesn't take long, does it? It doesn't take long to look around to just look around and see what's going on to realize that something's not right. It doesn't take long for watching the news or it doesn't take long from even being in a family event to know that there is something amiss in people's lives. It's just chaotic, isn't it? It's just absolutely chaotic, all that we see. And what bugs me the most about all this is often God gets the blame. God gets the blame for the current situation that our world is in. Why would God allow this to happen? Or how could a loving God do this? When we read the scripture of Isaiah, I want you to understand something. Yes, He is talking about how things will eventually be. And the wolf will dwell with the lamb. And the leopard will lie down with the young goat. And the calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And a little boy will lead with them. Also the cow and the bear will graze. Their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like an ox. The nursing child will play by the hole of a cobra and the weaned child will put his hand on the viper's den and they will not hurt or destroy. When Isaiah is saying this, he's not just talking about a time that is to come. He's also talking about how things were originally created. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth, the stars and the moon, the sun, the sky, the waters, all the animals that live in them, all the animal of the land, all the birds of the air. And what did God say about all of them? It was good. That was day one through five. What happened on day six? Who knows? God put man in the puzzle. God put man in the puzzle and ever since man was put in the puzzle, it has been falling apart ever since. See, I don't understand it. I don't understand it why it is that people blame God for things 
that he honestly didn't do. Sure, he created us. Sure, he made us. Sure, he gave us a free will. But did God really do those things? No. For parents, you understand this. You can do everything in your power to make sure your kids grow up to be well-respected human beings. But is it a guarantee? Is it a guarantee? So let me ask you a question, parents, because I hear this a lot and I hate this, I, I hate this mindset. Is that your fault? Is it? So why do we blame ourselves? You ever thought about that? <clears throat> why is it that we blame ourselves for our kids' decisions? Why is it that somewhere down the road we feel like we have failed? Let me ask you a question. If you failed, did God fail? When you think about it like that, it puts a whole different spin on the thing, doesn't it? Because if our children make mistakes, if our children making wrong decisions, if our children doing something that doesn't align with what we believe, what we think, or how we live, reflects on us, then everything that we do reflects on God, correct? No, sir. No, ma'am. No, it does not. True repentance is when we, as human beings, when we, as God's children, take ownership for what we have done in our lives. That is true repentance. But when we have this mindset that it's his fault, her fault, the parents' fault, our fault, we're taking responsibility for some things that just aren't ours. And you know what else we'll do sometimes? Sometimes in that effect, we'll throw out one of those cards. One of those cards that we call the victim card. Well, it's not my fault that I did this. It was the situation that I was in. It was not my fault that I spanked my kids. It was because of what they did. It was not my fault that I hit that telephone pole that did not move into the road. It was not my fault that I did this. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you something. The way the world is today is our fault. It is our fault and our fault alone. And how Jesus brought peace to us during this situation is we know that he will one day restore his creation. And I want you to think about it this way. He is not fixing his mistakes when he restores his creation. He is correcting our mistakes. And that is the beauty of repentance. That is the beauty of reconciliation. That is the beauty of restoration. And that is the beauty of the peace that we have that Christ is not done with us yet. Brothers and sisters, the worst thing that we can do 
is think that we have no blame in this. He is fixing our mistakes, past, present, and future. And peace comes when we know that our mistakes will be corrected. Our mistakes will be corrected. And he will make all things new again. Not only did he bring peace by the fact of knowing that he's going to restore his creation, he bought peace because he's going to restore us. We're at that time of the year, aren't we? That time of the year when we start looking back. That time of the year when we start thinking about everything that went wrong in 2021. How many's got a list? How many's got a, a note on your phone that is bigger than any list you can make? Mine right here. And you know what's funny is this time of year we're going to do the same thing that we always do. Some of you probably already went out and bought your planner, didn't you? How many's got your 2022 planner? Don't be embarrassed. Can I ask you a question? How many of you are still using your 2021 planner? We got one or two. Praise God. I buy planners. I get to March and I get frustrated and I quit. We'll all go buy these self-help books, won't we? We'll go buy these books that will make us a better individual now. Not only that, we're also going to get a gym membership, aren't we? We're going to go get our gym membership because that's what we do at the beginning of the year. We pay a gym for three months worth of membership that we never even use. We're just giving our money away. At the same time, guys, I want, I want you to know, I understand this. We desire to be better people, do we not? Who is happy, and be honest with me, who is happy with where you are right now in your life, in your walk with God, as a husband, as a father, as a wife? How many of you are perfectly content where you are? None of us. Not a single one of us. Why? Because we want to be better. And guys, I want you to understand something. There is nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong with us wanting to be better in our life. There's nothing wrong with us being better in our marriage. There's nothing wrong with us being better parents, being better at work. There's nothing with us being better members in our congregations. There's nothing wrong with wanting to do that. But where the fallacy comes in is when we think about making the change in our life, this brings about conflict. Because for us to be better, for us to really be better people, one thing has to take place, and it's something that we don't like. It's change. We've got to change a habit. We've got to change a routine. We've got to change the way we are doing things. And this brings a lot of conflict. I'm going to be honest with you. This brings a lot of conflict to me. 2020 was horrible. You want to know why? Because I had to change the type of toilet paper I used. I hated it. I hated it. We had that soft toilet paper before. Then you go to that John Wayne toilet paper. Man, that stuff's rough, tough. Horrible. Horrible. But I want you to think about this. For us to really change, do we got to get rid of the good stuff in our lives? No, 
for us to really change, we got to get rid of the crap. We got to get rid of the junk in our life, the garbage. Why? Because this is what makes us fallible people. Last year, I wrote this down. And it's something that stuck with me all year. A broken resolution is nothing more than a failed attempt of us trying to fix our own lives. A broken resolution is nothing more than a failed attempt to us trying to fix our own lives. And guys, again, I'm not saying it's wrong to aspire to do better. But when resolutions that we make at the beginning of our year are our last hope, we have little hope. Because I'm always going to fail. I'm always going to make a mistake. I'm always going to be left trying to do better hoping to do better. And I'm going to be honest with you. And I'm not just wrote myself off and said to heck with it and I'm not trying no more. But I have come to this conclusion. My best attempts will always be a failure when compared to what Christ can do in me. My best attempt at making my life better will always look like a failure compared to what Christ and Christ alone can do in me. And brothers and sisters, this is what he is talking about at the end of this, cha- or at the end of this scripture that we just read. In verse 10, he said, In that day, the nations will resort to the root of Jesse. And who will stand as a signal for the people? And his resting place will be glorious. Romans 15, 12 puts it like this. The root of Jesse will come. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him the Gentiles will have hope. Jesus came to restore us to that imago day that image of God creation that he made us in. And brothers and sisters, I'm not telling you stop trying to be a better you. But realize this, at the end of the day, you can't do the work of God. He has to do it in you. He has to do it through you. He has to do it with you. And he even has to do it in spite of you. He's doing it in me. And while sometimes this brings conflict in my life, it brings great peace as well. I told you the scripture didn't mention anything about peace, did it? Well, actually it does. That last sentence that we just read, his resting place. The Hebrew word that is used there comes about by the same word 
that is used in Luke chapter 2. Peace on earth. Rest on earth. How is it that we can have rest on this earth? Because he came to this earth. Why did he come to this earth? He came seeking to save that which was lost. Who was lost? We were lost. And how are things going to come about? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because things are going to come about in a glorious way. Because the same scripture that was just read in Isaiah chapter 11 is the same thing at the end of what we'll see in Revelation 21. And I want you to just listen to this, guys, because this is great. Revelation chapter 21, verse 1, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. It was no longer, and there was no longer any sea. And then John says, and I saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of the heaven from God, made ready as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the heavens say, behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell with among them, <clears throat> and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he, listen to this, he will wipe away every tear from the eye. Remember that peace that your parents would bring you? Just in knowing that they're there? He will be there. There will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning. There will no longer be any crying, pain, for the thirst things have all passed away. Everything, everything that has come undone in his creation, all the disease, all the sickness, all the death, all the anger, hatred, malice, all these things will be gone. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Every single one of us want a new life. Brothers and sisters, your faith in Jesus Christ assures you that one day you will have a new life. And then he goes on to say this. And he said, write, write. He's telling John to write these things down. Why? Because these words are faithful and true. Hope, love, joy, and peace all come from this one lot. He came as a baby 
and he will come again as a king. And he leaves all four of these gifts for us as we wait. This is the reassurance that we have of knowing how good our God is, how merciful he is to us. And this is why as we live in between two advents, we have that hope. We have that love. We have that joy. And we have that peace. Pray with me. Father, for many years, my heart has waged war. My heart has waged war with the situations that are going on around us. And for many years, Lord, I thought this was what was right. But it's not what's right. What's right is the peace that I should have and that I do have because you did come. You came as a baby. Sweet, innocent, and perfect. You lived a life of perfection. And at the right time, Lord, you took on yourself the death that I deserved. And you did this, Lord, to calm the war that was going on in my heart. You did this, Lord, to restore me back to the way you created. And you did this, Lord, because you love me so. It's because of the hope, the love, the joy, and the peace that I have, Lord. I know that you will come again. So, Father, as we wait, help us to stay looking forward. Help us to keep our eyes open for opportunities to show that same hope, love, joy, and peace that you've so richly shown us. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. This morning, Lord, if there's someone in sound of my voice who has that same war raging inside of them, I pray this morning they will discover the peace that you so richly give. Father, this morning, do what only you can do. It's in Jesus' name I pray.